Well, good morning to everyone in the region. It's very nice to be with you. One of the great events that took place in the history of the nation of Israel uh, was the exile, where God's people were taken away in captivity and they languished in ancient Babylon for the best part of a hundred years. Their situation there was a pretty awful one in many ways, but God worked a miracle and he made it possible for his people to come back and to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city once more. We read about that in the book of Ezra, when the first group of exiles go back under the leadership of a man called Zerubbabel. But that first group of exiles going back to Jerusalem had the straightforward and yet rather difficult job of rebuilding the temple. And it was difficult not just because the work of rebuilding a massive temple is in itself challenging, uh, but they had a great deal of opposition. Uh, the nations that uh, sat around um, that area that would be known as Jerusalem uh, did not want the Jews to reestablish themselves. They didn't want a temple there with all its Judaistic worship. They didn't want the city of Jerusalem to be reestablished once more. And so they began to offer some really significant opposition as well as threats. And that made the job of these missionaries really very tough and they became discouraged. So much so, in fact, that they actually gave up on their building project for a while anyway, until God began to stir them up once more. And he did so by sending two prophets who are well known in our Old Testament. First of all, there's Haggai, who is a real firebrand preacher, who came to the people and said, get back to work. God wants you to serve him, to rebuild his house. So stop being idle and begin serving once more. And after Haggai's fairly fiery ministry, there comes Zechariah. Uh, that book from which we had a section read earlier on in the service this morning. Uh, and Zechariah was a bit more contemplative. He was a thoughtful guy who tried to set this building project in its wider theological perspective. As Zechariah begins his ministry, his preaching, his message to the people in Jerusalem, he starts in verse 3 with uh, what I think is quite a, a strange thing to say. Notice verse 3, he says, speaking on God's behalf, return to me. Now, that expression, return to me, does sound strange because after all, these were not backslidden Jews. They were, of course, the exile community who were in Babylon because of their sin. But not this particular bunch of Jews under Zerubbabel's leadership. These were missionaries, people who had come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And yes, they were a bit discouraged, but they were committed people who, who wanted to serve God. So why should Zechariah begin his prophecy to them by saying, return to me? And how could God think such a thought? Well, the reality was this, that those builders were laying bricks, they were on that building site, they were doing their stuff. But they were working with their hands and not their heart. And there's a difference there. It's entirely possible to be involved in ministry by, by working hard, by being diligent, by laying bricks as they were, um, by working on that building site, and yet not really walking with God in a personal and dynamic and, and intimate way. Now, actually, as evangelicals, we should 
understand this kind of issue because if anything defines evangelicalism, it's proactivity. Evangelicals are people who do stuff. We just love to serve God by getting our hands dirty and getting stuck in and and serving him in all kinds of ways. That's why evangelical churches like Regent have loads of activities. You've got kids clubs, you've got youth clubs, you've got uh, Bible studies and prayer meetings and we are just so used to doing. Uh, and even when we come to church, uh, church for evangelicals tends not to be a, a, a passive activity. We do stuff, we engage, we, uh, we, we, we take part in sermons, we, we worship, we're proactive because doing stuff is the default position for evangelicals. That's how we behave. However, we can fall into the same trap as these builders did in Jerusalem so many years ago in that we can be serving God by doing things and yet our hearts aren't really with him. We serve Jesus with our hands. But when it comes to really walking with Christ and having a personal, deep, intimate relationship with him that that transforms us and turns our lives upside down, well, That's a bit more difficult. It's much easier to lay a load of bricks than it is to have the Holy Spirit of God really change my life. And that's a danger for evangelicals in their activity, that they engage in activity and yet their hearts aren't really engaged with God. They're not really walking intimately with Jesus. And if that describes you in some way, then this message returned to me as a message for you. Of course, we've just come through lockdown and uh, we haven't really been able to meet at the church for a long time, have we? Uh, it's It's been a strange thing uh, in that um, churches have been uh, shut and so all of our services have been online. We've been Zooming each other. That's how we've interacted. But although church has been closed for quite a long time now and only now just beginning to reopen again, This, it seems to me, is a really good time for us to self-examine. Because as we go back to meeting normally in the way that we used to, things can't really be the same. Let's not fall into the trap of lots of activities, doing lots of stuff, the clubs, the the events that, that we run as a church. Let's not go back to doing all that sort of stuff and yet not really walking with Jesus and allowing him to transform our lives. Let's go to something more than that. Serving God with our hands, but also serving him with our hearts as well. Being really engaged and genuinely walking with him. I notice the second half of that verse, at verse 3b. Uh, return to me, says God, and I will return to you. Now, that seems equally strange because... Is, is God not always with us? Uh, well, yes and no. See, the truth is that, that two people can play the same game. If it's possible for us as Christians to be a, a little bit superficial where we serve God with our hands, but our hearts aren't really with him. So it's also possible for God to be with us because he's always with us. And yet not really with us in power and blessing and here's the warning 
if we come back to normal church life, whatever the new normal looks like, but back to normal church life where we're doing lots of stuff, but we're not really walking with Jesus, then God might be with us, but not really with us in blessing. And that's a problem because no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work as churches, the real power in church life is God's Holy Spirit being poured out. So that's a warning for us. Uh, As we get back to some kind of normal church life again, let's really engage with our hearts. Really walk with Jesus. Be transformed by him. Be filled with his spirit. Not just serving with our hands, but with all of our being. Because then God will come back to us with blessing and we will see his power unleashed. But the secret of real power is to have that walk with God that enables him to authentically bless us and work through us with real power. That's how Zechariah opens his prophecy. And then you have a series of visions which Zechariah relays to us. And I only want us to think about that very first vision, which is mentioned here in chapter 1. Verses 8 to 17. And it's a vision of four horsemen. Zechariah has this vision. And in, in verse 8 he sees this man on a horse, a horseback amongst the myrtle trees. And behind this man are other riders on red and brown and white horses. Now that kind of a scene wasn't, very un, wasn't, wasn't uncommon for the people of Jerusalem because... Remember I said that they had enemies who didn't want them to get established? Their enemies were spying on them. And it wasn't unusual for them to look out over the uh, the hilltops surrounding Jerusalem and, and look in amongst the trees and there were the spies, often horseback, looking to see what they were doing, monitoring their activities and trying to plot against them. But this was different. Because as Zechariah sees these horsemen, in his vision, he asks the angel who's narrating this vision to him, what's that all about? What are those horsemen doing there? And the angel replies that these horsemen are not actually spies from their enemies. Rather, they are God's messengers, his emissaries. And they're being sent throughout the world to report back to God what's happening throughout the world. And the report comes back in verse 11. The whole world is at peace. Now, historically speaking, that probably wasn't uh, all that surprising because um, the empire which uh, released the Jews from their captivity in Babylon, the Persian Empire, was now exercising worldwide domination. And so by and large, throughout the empire, there was peace and a growing prosperity because this new burgeoning Persian empire made it so. Having said all that, those Jewish builders in Jerusalem, they didn't really feel they benefited from that peace and prosperity. Why? Well, because there they are, toiling away in this difficult situation or they're being faced by opposition as they try to rebuild the temple. And it, it felt for them a wee bit like the lockdown situation that we experienced, where 
they couldn't really leave the confines of that small area of what was the the ruins of Jerusalem because it, it wasn't safe to go anywhere. I mean, they could look around and see the vista around Jerusalem, the beautiful Mount of Olives, for example, which wasn't all that far away, but they couldn't go up there because those spies were there. It was dangerous for them to go anywhere, so they had to stay cocooned in that very small area, a bit like all of us during lockdown. I was very grateful, actually, that during lockdown, we as a family, we had a back garden and we spent lots of time in the garden. It was, it was tremendous. Uh, but I had a friend of mine and she lives in a flat, a tenement flat in Glasgow. And from her living room window, she could see desirable places like a parkway in the distance or a shopping centre. But she couldn't go there because she's stuck. It's lockdown. It was an awful situation to be in. And that's how these builders felt. Here they were trapped in Jerusalem, trying to rebuild the temple, surrounded by enemies and every day fearing for their lives because they knew their enemies were plotting against them. So this peace and prosperity that seems to be uh, throughout the empire, they weren't able to enjoy it very much at all because their lives were just hard and difficult. Uh, and the angel who narrates this vision to uh, Zechariah, he cries out in verse 12, How long, Lord, will you hold out your mercy from Jerusalem? Uh, we know that um, in the past the people have sinned against you, but, but not now. Uh, these aren't the folk who were sent to exile because of their sinfulness. These are the people that you brought back from exile to rebuild your temple. These are people who are serving you and trying to do their best for you, uh, doing their very best. And what is a, a, a really difficult situation. So how long are you going to withhold your blessing from them? When are you going to show mercy again to the people of Jerusalem? Now that's the angel crying out this cry, but he's, he's expressing the sense of desperation and hurt that the people of Jerusalem were, were feeling very keenly. Why is it that... Um, out there in the wicked world, people seem to be blessed. And here we are, God's own people, trying to serve him. And yet, for us, life is just difficult. It's just tough. Now, it may well be that um, uh, you felt that a wee bit. Um, why is it that we as Christians, even though we try to serve God and serve others, we, we just find that life is, is difficult? Tell you what I find interesting about the whole lockdown situation Christians just before lockdown were active trying to care for people. Certainly in the area where I live, there were Christians running food banks and visiting the elderly and caring for the vulnerable. And yet when the lockdown occurred, churches were shut just like that. It's as if churches were an irrelevance as far as our government was concerned. And that's bizarre. Churches were not seen as an essential service, even though the Christian church here in the UK is the biggest source of voluntary help anywhere in the country. But we weren't seen as an essential service. So without further ado, the churches were shut and all that good work of food banks and caring for the elderly and caring for the vulnerable, it just had to come to an end because 
as churches we just couldn't continue. And to me, that seemed like a, a crazy situation. And as the um, regulations began to be relaxed, it was intriguing again that, that pubs were open before churches were. Does that not seem strange? After all, who is doing more good in society and caring for people and sharing what they have? The truth is that Christians and churches are not seen as essential. Worse than that, often Christians are seen as, well, people that our wider culture doesn't appreciate. Think of all the accusations that are launched at Christians. We are seen as being out of touch or small-minded or bigoted or homophobic or transphobic or, or, or whatever. The reality is that our permissive culture does not appreciate the value system that we as Christians uh, consider to be important. And so our message is often lost in all the noise of the opposition that we face. There have been, it seems to me, concerted efforts over the, the past few years to get Christians out of schools, out of our, our, our universities. Our national broadcasters portray the church in a very cynical kind of way. Here in Scotland, um, even legislation is turning against us, uh, even as I speak. Uh, some of our Scottish politicians are working on a hate crime bill uh, that has the real potential of quashing free speech and preventing Christians from really expressing their profoundly held biblical faith and ethics. It's a real problem. And it's because the beliefs that we have, the, the ethical positions that we hold to, are not appreciated by our, our, our wider culture. In, in fact, uh, one particular individual, a man called Ian Stewart, who, who runs an organisation called Atheist Scotland, he has already declared that if this hit legislation is passed, he will use it as a way of, of hounding Christians and their belief system and making sure that we have no place in, in public life. It's often lonely and difficult being a Christian. When you're part of a church, it's easy to feel that sense of isolation and we think to ourselves, why does God allow this situation to happen? How long will God withhold his blessing? Why is it that God allows us to go through these situations? Difficult, isn't it? But then Zechariah began to answer the question that that angel posed because God speaks through Zechariah and we have these tremendous verses in, in verses 15, 16 and 17. First of all, God says, I am actually angry with the nations that are at ease. All those people who, who you think are at ease and enjoying their prosperity, it's only apparent, says God. You might think they're having a good time, that their lives are at ease, that they're enjoying themselves, but God is not naive. He sees the good that his people do. He also sees the lives of all those folk who oppose his own people, those folk who try to frustrate us and, and, and make our lives difficult and uncomfortable and unpleasant, God sees all of that and says, God, I will deal with them. And justice 
will not only be done, it will seen, be seen to be done. And then verses 16 and 17, I will return and I will show mercy to Jerusalem and I will comfort Zion and I will once again choose Jerusalem to be mine. What God is really saying to, to the people through Zechariah is this, I, I haven't forgotten you. I know that right now it, it feels as if your lives are difficult. It, it feels uncomfortable in your situation, surrounded by all those opponents trying to serve me, but serve me in that, in that difficult context where everybody seems against you, the whole world seems against you. But I'm for you. And even if your wider culture doesn't appreciate you, I'm with you. And I see your efforts, I see what you're doing, and I will bless. And that same promise extends to us as Christians today. We, we do live as evangelicals today in a world where our culture is by and large hostile towards us. Christians are being vilified. We are being shouted down in the public arena. We are being maligned. But God sees that. And even though others are against us, God is for us. So we need to be encouraged. If God is for us, then what does it matter who's against us? And I want to speak to all of you as, as members of, of Regent as you're trying to go back to some kind of normal church life, re-establishing your witness in the area, be encouraged. There will be tough times ahead. There will be problems. There will be opposition. Uh, people might not like you because of the stand that you take as Christians. But God is blessing you. You're his child. He wants to encourage you. He wants to make you strong. And he will always be with you. So even in those moments where you feel that sense of aloneness or concern, be emboldened, be encouraged. God is by your side. So take time during this next week to reflect on this wonderful prophecy from the book of Zechariah. Make sure that as you get back to some kind of church normality, whenever that might be, that you don't just come back to be busy in activity and serving God with your hands. You come back with the attitude that says, I want to really walk with Jesus and allow him to totally transform me. And then as you serve him and you find yourself being faced with opposition because people around about you don't like the fact that you're serving God and, and living for Jesus, don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. Opposition, frankly, is part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus was opposed, so will we be. But God is with us. And he will strengthen and bless. We are his children. He loves us. He cherishes us. And we need to come out of this, this lockdown situation and go into the future with a real sense of confidence that our God is by our side. We have nothing to fear. And we will enjoy the reassurance of God's blessing as we serve him with all of our hearts. Have a great week. God bless you. Look after yourselves. And may you experience Jesus in your lives this week. 
the encouragement of his Holy Spirit and that sense that God the Father who loves you is by your side in all of your circumstances. God bless and have a great week.